2 Corinthians chapter 4. This morning's message is entitled Shift. We've been talking about spiritual fervency. Can we stand to our feet, sorry, as we read the Word of God this morning? Stand to our feet as we read the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 4.16. I think it'll actually come up. A.V., have you got that? Wonderful. Can we read it together? It says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. Can you turn to the person next to you and say, don't look at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal, They're passing away. They're going to change. So you need to look at the things that are unseen. Because they're eternal. They last. And you take your lead from them. Amen. All right, take your seats this morning. Well done. (laughs) Maybe you all can preach. Um, Paul often spoke about this unseen realm. You know, this, this language that he's using here is so interesting. He's saying, you know, we don't look at the things which are seen but are unseen. You know, to, to some people, that's crazy talk over there. You know, the, what do you mean you're looking at, you're seeing things that are unseen? What, what do you mean by that? But what he's referring to in this passage is that this unseen realm, the spirit realm. In Romans, he says, by faith, we know that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that which we see was made out of things which we we cannot see. And he's, he kept referring to this throughout his epistles when he was writing. He kept talking about the seen and the unseen. The seen and the unseen. And the realm that we see was made out of things which weren't seen. And he, and he says we don't look to this world, but we look to that world. There's like another world where we take our lead from, where we take our provision from, where we get resourced from. John the Baptist spoke about this as well. He said man can have nothing here on earth unless... That world, the unseen world, the above world, the heaven world, gives it to him. John the Baptist knew the importance of that world and said that what I have here is a result of what came from there. In Colossians 3, Paul said this, he said, Set your minds on things above and not on things of this world. Set your mind on things above and not on this world. And when he says set your mind, that that Greek there is like, don't just ponder it every now and then. Don't just go, oh yeah, that's a nice thought. Oh yes, there is another world. When he says set your mind on it, he's talking about concrete, man. He's talking about like make sure your mind is set there. That your attention is there. It's more than just ponder it. Your, your, uh, Your focus is there. Your mind is fixed on that place. And you know, this is how Jesus spoke as well. When Jesus was talking to certain people in the Gospel of John, he said, 
You are from below, but I am from above. You are from this earth, but I am from up there. I'm not of this world. He knew that he had come from another place. He knew that he was sent by that place. He knew that he was resourced by that place. And he was led by that place. He took his lead and his direction from that place. And after he, after he, had, he had resurrected and ascended into heaven, one of the disciples, Stephen, who was standing trial, his eyes were opened to that world while he was in a trial in, in, in Acts chapter 6. And his eyes were opened and he said, Behold, I see the Lord seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. So Stephen saw into that world. John, one of Jesus' disciples, also saw into that world. Many of the Old Testament prophets, Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, they all saw into that realm. It was open to them. They saw amazing things. They wrote about those things. Then those things came to pass. Some still have to come to pass. But they, they were exposed to that realm. So when Paul is saying, well, we don't look to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, what he's saying is that we need to be able to tap into the spirit realm. We need to be able to tap into that world above this world. As a Christian, it should be our focus. It should be where we take our lead from. We should be, you know, there's this saying that says, you know, you're so earth, uh, so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. But if you go study history, you'll find that those who were heavenly minded did the most good on earth. <laughs> go study church history. You'll see everyone who had a, a concept of heaven, they had a concept of what God was doing, a concept of the the... The, what God was saying, the leading of the Lord, they, they were the most effective here on the earth. And that's how we should be living as Christians. Paul describes the world that we live in, this, this natural world, as a world that, that, cannot re- that cannot receive from the spirit world. He said this in 1 Corinthians 2.14. He said, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And what he was saying is that those, the world, those who are not born again are closed off to this, this realm, the spirit realm, the spirit world. They're, they're, they're closed to it. They don't know its foolishness to them. You can talk about it and they, they have no idea what you're talking about because it's spiritually discerned. In 1 Corinthians, by way of contrast, in, the, in, in verse 12 of the same chapter, he says, We have not received the spirit of this world, but we have received... Can we read it together? Let's go. It says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. In other words... Paul is saying, he's, he's contrasting, saying this is unsaved people and this is us. And, and he's, what he's saying is that we've received the equipment we need to interact, to communicate, to send and receive from the spirit world, this, this realm that is above this world. In modern language, we've had a hardware upgrade. <laughs> when you got saved, you got a Wi-Fi card installed. <laughs> You got a data card installed, and now you're able to to send and receive. You're able to be in contact with this place called heaven. You're able to take a lead from heaven. 
You're able to see what's happening there. You're able to know what's going on there. And you're able to operate in this realm from that realm. Because you've been given the right equipment in order so that you're enabled to, to interact with that realm. And we've been talking about spiritual fervor for the last couple of weeks. And our anchor scripture was in Romans 12 and verse 11. And it says, never be lacking in zeal. We, we, last week was, what, what's the deal with zeal? Remember that, okay? If you missed it, go get it. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And we spoke about this. We said spiritual fervor is like spiritual fitness. It's spiritual attentiveness, alertness. It's sensitivity to the things of the Spirit. And so what Paul is saying in in this scripture in in Romans 12, when he says keep your spiritual fervor, what he's saying is stay spiritually awake. Stay spiritually switched on. Be responsive to God. Make sure that you have enough signal. Make sure that you have a data card. That you're able to interact with heaven. That you are understanding what God is doing in heaven. Keep spiritually switched on. You know, we live in this, in a dark world and it's possible that we become spiritually dull and unresponsive to the spirit world, to God, to the word of God. You know, Jesus spoke about this in, in Matthew 13, 13. He said, he was talking to people. He says, you know, seeing, you see, but you don't see. You hear, but you don't hear because your hearts have grown dull, hard and dull. And you know, it's so possible that we can live in this world and because we're sending and receiving from this world, that this world, our minds become set on this world. And our hearts become set on this world and we take our lead from this world and we take our direction from this world. And we get, and it's such a dark world and it's so unresponsive to God and so not honoring of God and so foreign to God and the things of God sometimes. And we become conformed to this world to the pattern of this world. So we think like this world, we talk like this world, we act like this world, we take our lead from this world, and then the Word of God comes and the, the Spirit comes and, and we're, we're dull and we're unresponsive to what God is saying and what God is doing. Isn't it frustrating when we lose signal? <laughs> it's frustrating. How many of you, when you run out of data? Oh, Lord. Or the Wi-Fi signal isn't strong enough. It's so frustrating. There's, there's a whole digital world all around us. But if you don't have the data or the Wi-Fi signal, you can't send, you can't receive, you can't know what's going on. And, it's, and, and that's what Paul is saying in the scriptures. You know, if you're not spiritually fervent, If you're not spiritually fit, if you're not spiritually switched on, you're not going to send and you're not going to be able to receive. You're not going to be able to know what God is doing. You're not going to be able to get those pictures from heaven that are going to enable you for that meeting today. You're not going to get that word of knowledge so that you know what to do in a certain situation when the bills come and what's happening. When the relational challenge comes up, you're not going to know how to operate because you don't have, you're not spiritually switched on. You're dull. You're unresponsive. Your data has run out. Spiritual fervency is being about switched on, switched on, able to access, on fire, just ready to download from heaven. 
And you know what I found is when, you know, when you're not fervent, when you're not spiritually fervent, switched on, what can happen is that this life becomes really difficult. It becomes really frustrating. You, you, your, your emotions start to mess up. You know, your life, you, you start to get confused. You start to, you know, it's like we were designed in such a way when God, when we got born again, we got equipment. We got, we got transformed, man. We're, we're not the same anymore. We're, we're not just natural people anymore. We're not like everybody else. So stop trying to be like everybody else. Amen. God came and He gave us an equipment upgrade, and that equipment is designed to link with heaven. It's designed, and it's like, and if when we're not getting that from heaven, what we need from heaven, it's like we become dark, confused, scared, hopeless, depressed, anxious. We, you know, we, we, we become like the world, which we are never meant to be like. We're supposed to be the people who are one step ahead. That's the person next to you and say, you need to be one step ahead. That's what Christians, Christians, that's how we should be. We should be one step ahead. You know, you go read the book of Acts, you'll see the disciples. They, they knew there was a famine coming at certain points. God spoke to them in a prophetic word. You know, often Paul knew exactly where, which city he needed to be going to. And which city he didn't need to be going to. Why? Because he was taking his lead from another place. He was one step ahead. When they were saying, don't go to Jerusalem, you're going to end up in chains. He said, I know I'm, go- I'm going to end up in chains. I know. It's already been told. Like God told me <laughs> that I'm going to end up in chains. But still, I have to go to Jerusalem. You see, this is how the world thinks. No, 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 don't go. It's going to be bad for you. But the will of God is saying, no, 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 go. It's going to be good for the kingdom, for the cause, for everything, for your life purpose. Where do you take your lead from? Where do you take your lead from? Where, do you take your lead from all oh, the, there's a bomb blast in Kenya, don't go. Or do you take your lead from the Lord? And he said, no, I've opened a door for you, now go. Yeah, I really believe that if you're in the will of God, you're bulletproof, man. You're in the will of God, you're bulletproof. It's like, I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to show you some examples this morning. Just three examples. We're going to look at three examples this morning. Just short little examples of people who were switched off to heaven, to the spirit realm. And then God stepped in and opened their eyes, and they were able to see into that realm. And then I want you to notice, as we go through these examples, the effect that it had on their lives. And I'm sharing these this morning because I want you to shift from here thinking to there thinking. I'm, that's the title of this message this morning, is the shift, okay? I want you to shift from taking your lead from here to taking your lead from there. To, do, to fixing your eyes here to fixing your eyes there. That there would be a shift in you and your life, and that's where you take your lead from. Amen. Numbers 22 is our first passage that we're going to go to this morning. Baby room is full of baby noises, youth pads full of kids screaming. It's just, it's great to be in a church where we have young people. Amen? Wonderful. So in Numbers 22, 
Um, there's this, I mean, this is one of the craziest stories in the Bible, okay? This really is. If you know this chapter, man, this is just weird. I don't know. It's there. It's in the Bible, okay? But it's pretty weird. There's this guy called Balaam. Can you say Balaam? Balaam. Say, thank you, Lord, I'm not called Balaam. <laughs> Balaam, okay? So his name is Balaam, all right? And he's kind of like this prophet, seer, you know, somebody who's... who's I don't know, prophets here. Yeah, that's probably a good description of it. Anyway, he's on his way to Balak, and who's the king of the Moabites. And, and, he's, and Balak is trying to get this guy, Balaam, to curse Israel. Because Balak is scared of Israel. He thinks Israel's just going to come and wipe him out. So he's trying to find this like medium, this, this kind of seer prophet guy, and said, please, can you curse this nation so that they don't wipe us out? And so Balaam says, okay, I'll come to you, Balak. And he's on his way to Balak. And on his way to Balak, he's riding his donkey. And there's this angel that comes, is, is angry. at This angel is really angry that Balaam is going to Balak because he's, he's, you know, he's going along with this process of you know, cursing Israel. So he's going to Balak. And the angel's angry. So the angel comes down, stands in front of the donkey, draws his sword out, and he's going to kill Balaam. All right? But the donkey stops because the donkey sees. Donkey see. <laughs> the donkey sees the angel and stops. Balaam doesn't. So he kicks the donkey and says, go donkey, go man, let's go. The donkey won't go. The donkey goes off the path, tries to go somewhere else. The angel moves again in front of the donkey. The donkey backs up again. And so you have this process of the donkey trying to dodge the angel with the sword drawn. And Balaam, who's hitting the donkey, saying, go for it. And he's beating his donkey. Three times he beats his donkey. And then the story gets weird. God opens the mouth of the donkey and the donkey starts to talk to Balaam. Sometimes you need a donkey just to, to set you straight. The donkey's like, dude, what are you doing? I've served you faithfully. Can't you see there's an angel who wants to kill you? But Balaam still can't see. He still can't see that he's like his life is in danger here. That this is not going to end well for him. And I don't know what's more strange. The donkey starts talking to Balaam or Balaam then starts talking to the donkey. It's just, so he's like, donkey, let's go, you know? And, and then God, let's read the scripture there. It says, Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And now Balaam saw what the problem was. He saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. He opened his eyes to see what was going on. And Balaam humbles himself. He like, he loves his donkey after that moment. Donkey, you're such a good donkey. You have saved my life. You have spared me. You know? He's, everything changes from that moment. So, you know, sometimes God prevent, prevents us from doing certain things, from buying certain things, from pursuing certain relationships. Not every path in front of you is the right path. And I thank God that sometimes He actually comes and stops us in our ignorance. Stops us in our, you know, just our ambitiousness or our, I don't know, just 
crazy, you know, how we just, you know, we just go ahead and lead, lead our own lives. And, and then, you know, and he actually deliberately comes and sometimes stops us. And I thank God that he stopped me many times from buying a certain house or pursuing certain relationships or something. Come on, how many of you have gone back onto Facebook and thank God that he, he stopped that relationship? <laughs> At the time, you were like, oh, but he loves me. And I just, he's so nice. and We're so matched for each other, you know. God's like, ah, ah. we're ending this thing. And you're getting mad and you're getting frustrated and you, da, 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 but you're just not seeing what he's seeing. You just not, and, and typically this is what happens to us, guys. We get mad. We get frustrated. We start beating the people around us because we want to go in a particular direction. We're determined on something and we don't actually understand that God is protecting us. He's stopping us. He's changing our path. You go look at Acts chapter 16, you'll see the Apostle Paul in contrast to this guy, Balaam. He, he, he's going on a missionary journey. God's called him to nations. So he tries to go into Asia in Acts chapter 16. It says, and God forbid him from going into Asia. So he changed direction. And he said, all right, well, we'll go to Bithynia. So he moves on and he goes in. He says, okay, we're going into Bithynia. And then the Spirit comes and says, no, you're not going into Bithynia. So then he's like, okay, well, we'll just, we'll just pray and we'll get another download. We'll just retap into the GPS and wait for the GPS to tell us, okay, which, where are we going? And then he has a dream that night and he sees a man from Macedonia saying, come over here. And he knew God was calling them to Macedonia. So they go to Macedonia and they have a fruitful ministry in Macedonia. You see, sometimes you can get so frustrated because things aren't working out the way you want, but God is actually stopping it because he's got, he knows the most fruitful place for you to be. He knows the most fruitful place for you to be. He knows the right city for you. He knows the right person that you need to marry. He knows all. He knows. All right, so you need, we need to be in touch and have our eyes opened. Not these eyes, those eyes, so we can see and know the leading of the Lord. Which one are you more like? Balaam or the Apostle Paul? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting quiet. How many of you have looked back on your life and said, thank you, God, that you stopped that? Whatever that was. Look at those hands. He knows where the most fruitful place is for us. Second example, we're going to go to Genesis. Go a little bit further back in your Bible. Your numbers. Page a couple books later, earlier, and, and we're going to go to Genesis 21. Everything changes when you're able to see clearly in the Spirit. So the story that we're going to jump into here is the story of, of Abraham and, and Sarah and Isaac and Hagar and Ishmael. And we know this is a really complicated family mess, all right? <laughs> we know this thing is like... <laughs> this is the result of just, I don't know, you know, trying to do life in our own strength and in our own leading. This, this is what, and so there's this clash. There's the servant, Hagar. She has a son with Abraham called Ishmael. And because they couldn't wait for the promised son. And, and then Abraham does have a child with Sarah. And 
Isaac is born and he's the son of promise. And now there is this, this, this awkward family that's happened. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You have the families like this, all right? <laughs> Where it's just awkward, uh, half brothers or what are we, you know? We're family, all right? So there's this family, but, but there's tension in this family. There's division in this family. And it gets to the point where uh, Hagar has to take Ishmael and leave because things are just, they cannot live in the same area together anymore. So they, so they leave. And, you know, this, this really hurt Abraham, but, but God said you can let them go. And so he lets them go and he gives them some water and some food and they, and they take off into the wilderness. And, um, you know, I just, when I was reading this, dived into the psychology of Hagar for a moment. She's... You know, she, I feel for this woman, man. You know, I really do. She's, she's like a servant in this house, and then she's pushed into this position of having a child so that there can be an inheritance, uh, someone to inherit Abraham's, you know, everything. And, and, and now there's this rift, and she has to take her child and leave. And, you know, my heart really breaks for this woman. And she, so she leaves, and she goes into the wilderness, and the, the water that they have runs out, the food that they have runs out. And, and she, if you can imagine, just step into her sack for a moment, okay? All right. Asipe, you're feeling it. You, the psychologists in the house are like, mm. <laughs> tell me. <laughs> tell me what's going on. <laughs> I'll tell you what's happened. <laughs> so she's in this moment where she's coming from this broken situation, and she goes into the wilderness, and... I mean, just, is there anything more depressing than going from that into wilderness? Your water runs out. It's just you're a single mom with this child. Like, her mind starts to race into things like, where am I going? What am I going to do? And she perceives in her mind and in her thoughts, according to her circumstances, and we can't judge her because we might just feel exactly the same in the same situation, and, and she might just feel absolutely hopeless and like she's going to die. And that this is the end of her life. And so she actually starts to plot her death. She's like, okay, when, 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 I don't want my child to see me die. So she puts her child under a bush and she, she goes to another bush and she's, she's like orchestrating this, this moment of like, I'm dead. It's over for us and this is how we're gonna die. So it's like in the best way possible. And then it says, um, let, let's just jump in. Verse 19. It says, let's read it together. It says, then God, opened her eyes and she saw a well of water so she went and she filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink so she's in this this hopeless situation god comes to her and he encourages her and he says listen you're not going to die and this child of yours i'm going to make him into a great nation there is a future there's a hope there's a destiny for you there's a purpose for you and, and then he opens her eyes to see a well of water. You know, I, this is amazing. This, this is an incredible passage of scripture. That well was obviously a real well of water with real water in it. Like, I mean, because she went and she drank from it. And it was obviously right there, but she couldn't actually see it until that moment. And that well wasn't the end of all her problems. It was just the next step on her journey that she had to go to. 
So she's in this place of absolute desperation and despair in the wilderness. God comes down, encourages her that she has a destiny, she has a purpose, opens her eyes, she sees a well, the next step in her journey, and she's able to go and get water, and she's able to live, and a child can have water as well. And, 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 and it, wasn't, it wasn't the answer to everything that well. But, you know, I, I look at the story, and, and I really believe that it's not our portion as believers to ever get to the place that Hagar is in. Where our problems are so big that we feel so hopeless that there is no future for us, that there is no destiny for us, that we just start thinking about how, we, how we're going to die, how we're going to end it all. I believe that's, that's not our portion as Christians. If we're thinking like that, it's a sign that we've lost signal with heaven. If we're thinking like that, it's a sign that our eyes are not open to the opportunities in front of us, that we've lost touch with the above. I think our testimony should rather be like the Apostle Paul who said this, we're hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. The situation, in other words, what he's saying, is bad and is hard and we're pressed in and things are difficult and it doesn't look good, but we're never crushed. We're never without hope. We're never without an answer. We're never without something from heaven. And I want you to know this morning that heaven is the greatest encourager of your life. Heaven knows your ultimate destiny, your ultimate plan, what God has for you, and it always knows the next step that you need to take. And so we should never ever get to the place where we, where Hagar was, where we just, we start plotting, it's the end of me. Come on, you will know what I'm talking about this one. Some of you have even thought that maybe this last week. That there is no future, there is no hope, there is nothing for me. I just, and you start thinking about just survive for now. Just survive for now. It's just a sign that signal's not working too good. Because heaven always has something for you. Always has a next step for you. Man, there's many times I've been perplexed and wondering how I'm going to solve this and where's the money going to come from that and where's this going to, do? how's this going to fix in? And then, you know, all I see is God just just opens my eyes a little, and, and sometimes the answer's right there in front of you, but you didn't see it because your mind was so blocked with all the bad. You know, the, you, the bad can blind you to the actual answer that's right in front of you, which was her case. There was a well there, and God had to supernaturally intervene and open her eyes so that she could see the opportunity in front of her. And so this opening of eyes is not like a blindness to seeing. It's more like a... Like, kind of like putting on sunshades. Who's got some sunshades this morning? Come on. You know, thank you. You'll get them back, I promise, because they are girls' ones. So maybe I should use you for this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, when you put the shades on, look good, eh? You'll look very dark now, eh? Just smile at me, people. <laughs> when you put these shades on, it changes the color of everything. The, the whole room has changed. The, the colors have changed. You know, it's, it's all different. This is, this is how, when you get filled with the Spirit, 
Man, I'm telling you, you can go to your office and it can be like this, this really tough, hard, horrible place and all you can think of is the bad. But get filled with heaven. Get filled with the Spirit of God. Go back into the same office and let me tell you, so you can see opportunities. You can see answers. You can see way. You can see that well that you didn't see before. You know, when we're in touch, man, everything changes. Um, and that's what Paul was saying. He's saying is we have not received the spirit from this world, but the spirit from God so that we can know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So that we can know, so that we can know the things that are freely given to us by God. You've been given the spirit of God so that you can know what heaven has for you. So that you can know where, how to solve that problem. So that you can know where to get provision from. Pick up the phone, make that call, send that email, speak to that person, knock on that door. You, you can get that. You, you've been given the spirit of God. You've been given the right equipment so that you can know the things that God has for you. You know, we shouldn't have to get to the place where Hagar gets to. Because life will actually get you there. <laughs> Who's been in that place? Come on. Let's be we are, so a good number of We know that place. It's a dark place. It's a hard place. And I love the way the Lord doesn't like smack her and get her up and say, come on, move forward. You, He comes lovingly and he reminds her of her destiny, of her purpose, that, you know, there's a plan for her child. And then he gently opens her eyes and shows us the world. And God does the same with us. There's many times in my life I've ended up in that place where, where Hagar is. And I'm like, so like, just, you know, there's nothing for me, Lord, or whatever. And then he comes gently and prophetically reminds me of who I am and what he's called me to do and the great things that are still to come in my life. And then he opens my eyes and he shows me just a next step. You know, I, that's how loving he is. But I want you to say that I, I, I don't think that's where we should end up. If we staying connected, you know, if you disconnect, that's typically where you start to end up. You know, I know because I counsel people. <laughs> And people come to me and they're in the place that Hagar's in. And it's typically because at some point they've lost connection. They've lost the leading of the Lord in their lives. And so all they're taking their leading from is here. And all they're seeing is the bad that's here. And not the good that heaven has for us. Oh my goodness. We should be of all people, the people who are filled with hope for the future. We are the people who should be filled with solutions for the future, solutions for what's going on in the city and in our businesses. We're people, that's, that's our calling. That's our destiny. We're not like this world. Church, hear me this morning. Can somebody say amen? We're not like this world. We've got equipment, man. And heaven, I want you to know, is, is that to us. Heaven has all of that for us. Amen. Last example, and we'll wrap up. Elisha and the Syrians. Story you know too well. Nudge the person next to you and say, how's your signal? Elisha and the Syrians. We know the story. The king of Syria is so frustrated because Israel... <laughs> I didn't see that. Israel's one step ahead of him. He's trying to trap and kill Israel, the nation, 
But Israel is one step ahead of them because Elisha, the prophet, keeps telling the king where to move the army. People, that's the story of your life. That needs to be the story of your life. The enemy is trying to trap and destroy you, but you're one step ahead. He's prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But we've got our armor fully on, man. We're one step ahead. We're slaying giants. We're slaying lions. We slayed some lions this week. I'm telling you, Thursday, there was one that took, that went down, you know. We're, we're, that's, that's, that picture of Israel is the picture of your life. That's how you should be. That's how we should be in, in, this, in this world. So the, the, the king of Syria gets mad and says, find me that Elisha who keeps helping these people stay one step ahead. Capture him. And he sends this army with horses and chariots and, and they come and they besiege the city where Elisha is. And, and, and Elisha wakes up that morning and he, and he goes and he, and he has his double latte, flat whites. I don't know what it was. I'm not a coffee guy. Sorry. That was, I don't even know if that was right or wrong. And he's having his croissants and his jam and, uh, and his servant Gazi opens the curtains and he looks outside and he sees the Syrian army. Horses, chariots, mighty people, um, just coming to besiege him. And what does he do? He does what everybody in the world does. He freaks out. Ah, we're dead. The economy is failing. The NC is not what it used to be. Everything's changing. The city's going down. Look at the drugs. Look at the crime. He freaks out. I mean, look at our newspapers. It's just freaking out. That's all it is. Everyone's freaking out because there's stuff happening. This looks like the end is coming. All right. But, but there's, there's Elisha sipping his coffee, having his croissants and says, dude, there are more for us than there are against us. And he prays and he says, Lord, open that guy's eyes. And then the Lord opens his eyes. Then the Lord opens his servant's eyes and he looked out and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. He saw Elisha's heavenly entourage. <laughs> chariots of fire. You know, chariots, there were chariots in this, you know, that the Syrian army has. But this, this one's got chariots of fire. I don't know what a chariot of fire is, but I don't know what that looks like. Or, but it's better than just a normal chariot, I'll tell you that. So there's this, these chariots of fire, this incredible army around him, and he doesn't, and Elisha's not freaking out. And, and I want to say, guys, you know, when you are able to hear the voice of God and know what God is saying for the city and for your life and for the country, you are not going to be freaking out by every little thing that comes your way. I think some of us need to, need to make a rule this morning and say, I'm not going to freak out anymore. Can, can you just say that to, your, just to yourself? I'm, I'm not going to freak out anymore. Please. Nudge the person next to you and say, stop freaking out. <laughs> it's freaking crazy, okay? Stop freaking out. We are not 
meant to be freaking out every time something is happening or going crazy in this world. This is how the world lives. They live on this emotional roller coaster of, this is good, yeah, everything's awesome, we got the World Cup, blah, we got kicked out in the first round. But finally, one, then it lies, and it's just this, this emotional roller coaster, and I don't think God wants us to live on it anymore. Amen. Like, just, can we be done with that? Can we just be people who are stable, who are steady, who know what God is saying, know what God has called us to, know what God is, is saying to our generation, and walk in that thing. Amen? There's a song that says, God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. Let's just sing it for a little moment. Just that chorus. I won't. You're waiting for me to lead. I'm like waiting for you to lead. You're waiting for the person next to you to lead. It's just. Vanilla lead. Go. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. To see things like you do, that I look to you, you're where my help comes from, give me vision, wisdom, it's what to do. Oh, let's sing it again from the top. Mm. Be overwhelmed. Give me vision. Make it a prayer. Come on. To see things like you do. I look to you, not to this world. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. To know just what to do. Give me wisdom. To know just what to do. The book of James says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask in faith and he will receive. Because God gives wisdom liberally to those who ask. Lord, I pray for a pouring out of wisdom in your house this morning. A, A vision to be poured out this morning, Lord. Fresh eyes to see what you're doing, Dad. All these circumstances, Lord, that are here this morning, right here, Jesus, you know them better than we do, Jesus. Buy, sell, move, stay, take the job, go home, stay in Durban, married, not married. Lord, you know, I pray your wisdom, supernatural wisdom in every circumstance is coming on you this morning. If you have faith in your heart, I'm telling you, you're getting it this morning. You're getting it this morning. Some of you are being... Pour is poured out on you this morning. Liberally, it says, the Bible says. Liberally, it's being poured out. Mm, We thank you, Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Amen. Amen. So, in conclusion, you can take your lead from this world. But it will result in you being frustrated like Balaam. It will result in you being depressed like Hagar. Or it will result in you freaking out like Gehazi, Elijah's servant. 
Or you can look to the unseen and you can set your mind on things above and take your lead from up there and be one step ahead. Amen. Can we stand to our feet this morning? I'm done, church. I want to just have a moment to pray this morning just before we wrap up. Um, and and I want to I want to do a salvation call this morning. Um, and the reason why I want to do that this morning is is because in John three verse three it says the following: "As the words of Jesus, He said, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God until he is born again.'" And what Jesus was saying is. You will not be able to see me, know me, get leading from me, get wisdom from me, get direction from heaven, know what to do in your circumstances, be led from heaven. You have no access until you are what he says, until you are born again, until I give you the equipment you need so that you can send and receive from heaven. And you know that heaven is really your home. He called it being born again because it literally is that. It's like Man, it's like starting a whole new life. You become a new creature. The Bible says this, that he takes your sin, he throws it as far as the east is from the west, he remembers it no more, he gives you a new heart, he gives you new equipment, and you become his child, you become his his son, his daughter, and he has a plan and a purpose, and you start to step into the thing that you were designed to do, that you were looking for all your life, and you couldn't find it in sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and rap, and whatever other genre you listen to, but you will find it in him. The Bible says unless you have that equipment upgrade, you're actually lost. And that is such a good description because that's exactly, I remember what it was like to be lost. I was confused. I didn't know who I was, what was going on in this world, what I was called to do with my life, where I should be, where I shouldn't be. It's just, you're lost. And what he's saying is you need equipment upgrade. You need me to come and make you born again. And the way you do that is just by simply submitting your life to Jesus. And say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Okay, I believe. I believe you. I believe you. And I believe everything that you did. That you died for my sin. You died so that I could have new life. You took my punishment so that I can go to God without judgment. And you just say, I believe. And you commit to following him. And he's like, cool. Let me give you that upgrade. Let me give you that equipment that you need. So this is, this is where it all starts. And I'm worried that, you know, I've kind of like preached this whole message and, and then you're sitting there going, what are you talking about? And if you are sitting there going, what am I talking about? It's just a sign that you're not yet switched on, that you haven't yet had that equipment upgrade. And I want to say it's here, it's available today. You can be upgraded right here, right now. Heaven can be ho- your home. When you walk out of these doors, everything can be different for you. And it just simply means you have to, Submit and give your life to Jesus and follow Him. So many people in this room have done that. I did that. I raised my hand, gave my life to Jesus, went and got baptized in water, and the lights came on. And I look back on my my old Facebook friends and my old friends' friends, and, and I'm just like, Jesus, what a work you've done. What a work you've done. What a work you've done. If that's you this morning and 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 you... No, you need that. And you know you need to give your life to the Lord. I'm going to open the altar here and I'm going to ask you to come to the front. 
and we're going to pray for you. You can just slip out of your seat. You can come on down here to the front, and we're going to pray for you to get that upgrade. As you're walking out of your seat and you're coming up here to the front, you're, you're saying, "Is Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to serve you. I'm giving you my life.